Good afternoon, and welcome back to Intrepid Radio, the show that brings you some of the world's most intrepid people. I'm really excited about today's show. It's a return guest. Say hello to David Meerman Scott. He is the best-selling author, speaker, and strategist. Welcome back to the show, David. Thanks, Todd. Jeez, it's been a couple of years since I was on. Um, hope you're doing well. I am. Uh, doing real well. Excited Great. to have you back. Uh, we're here to talk about the fourth edition of your international bestseller. What's it sold? About three billion copies by <laughs> uh, Well, actually, in English, it sold 300,000 copies in all four editions, and it's in 26 languages. So, yeah, it's done pretty well. I'm I'm incredibly pleased. When I first the first edition came out way back in 2007, I had absolutely no idea that it would turn into what it's become. Well, why do you think it's become that? We're talking, by the way, about the new rules of marketing and PR, and you just put out the fourth edition. Why has the book resonated? Why did that happen? I think uh, a couple of things. The first thing is I think I, I was a bit lucky with timing. Uh, it came out, I, I started writing it in late 2005 and throughout much of 2006. It actually came out in June 2007. And it was probably one of the very first books to define what's going on in the world of online, you know, blogging and video and podcasting and all these sorts of wonderful things that we all take for granted right now. Um, but in 2005 and six, when I was writing and I was seven when it came out, these things were pretty new. So I was early in defining what was going on. I think I was also pretty lucky. I chose a title that seems to work. The other thing that I had going for me was I spent my entire career in the real-time information business. Um, I worked starting in the mid-1980s on a Wall Street bond trading desk. Then I moved over to work at a company called Knight Ritter, largest um, online, I'm sorry, the largest newspaper company uh, in the United States. And we had an electronic division that was over a billion dollars in revenue. I was the Asia marketing director for that division. And later on, I worked for a company called News Edge Corporation, the first real-time aggregator of news feeds. All of that was prior to the web. So I was lucky in that I had experience with online information way before other people did. So for me, it was second nature. The downside, I don't really think it's a downside, but by virtue of the fact that it's just 2013 and the book first came out in 2007, that you're on your fourth edition, obviously you're talking about a subject matter that is evolving and changing rapidly in this technology and these new social networks and how, uh, shoot, I bet the advice you gave when you first, I don't think you even talked about Twitter in the first edition. That probably came out in a later edition, but how we're talking about Twitter now is so different than when you first probably talked about it and the case studies have continued to evolve. Talk about the struggle. It's not really a struggle either. It's, it's, it's exciting to talk about it, the pace of this change and, and the impact that's having on the work. Well, that's exactly why there's four editions, um, is because exactly what you identified as, as the changes. When I was writing the first edition, 0506, Twitter didn't exist. Facebook was only for students. MySpace had four times as many users as Facebook. Uh, and, and practically every one of the social networks we take for granted today, you know, Instagram and Foursquare and Google Plus and all these didn't exist. So that's why every two years I need to do an update. Uh, and also, as you, as you rightly point out, there's constantly new examples of success that I want to talk about, um, which is another reason why I update it every couple of years. And now I'm on a cycle 
that I'm updating it every two years in the summer, North American summer. And the reason is because the book is used in hundreds and hundreds of universities. Now, that's something I never would have predicted, that it's used in you know, hundreds of universities around the world as a text for communications classes, MBA classes, marketing classes, and, um, and, and therefore every two years in the summer there's an update because it's just prior to the start of an academic season. Well, when I uh, come across an individual who says, Todd, I need to get into this social media thing and this online marketing thing, it is certainly a text that I recommend. And quite Thank honestly, you. I don't mind admitting that I steal a lot of your great lines, uh, hey, various, various content <laughs> that I put out. Well, we, all, we all do that, Todd. And by the way, the other thing that's really interesting is that the strategies have not changed in seven years. Um, by, by strategies, I mean what I talk about is pretty simple stuff. It's the basic idea that online content, whether it's a podcast like we're doing right now or an ebook or a blog post or, or a Twitter feed or, or, an, or some Instagram um, photos, these are all things that you can use to brand your organization or yourself as someone who's worthy of doing business with uh, that content gets found in the search engines, that content gets shared on social networks, and that fundamental set of strategies, as I outlined it originally in 07, hasn't changed a lick. I mean, I haven't updated the strategy sessions at all, uh, sections at all in the book. So it's pretty interesting that what's changing are the tools and what's changing are the examples of success, but you go back and read the original edition and the strategy sections, it's all the same. David, I think the most, and on that subject, I think one of the most important subjects in the book is the, the counsel that you provide on the importance of developing these buyer personas. Yes. There's a reason why that hasn't changed because that is, that is the fundamental foundation that an organization has to know and understand before they even begin to understand how to leverage all these tools and, and the changing tools. David, I still feel like a lot of organizations who will sit there and they'll dive in and they'll try everything, throw spaghetti against the wall and see what works. And it doesn't. And they say, oh, this stuff just doesn't apply to my space. I feel it's because they haven't done the work of really understanding those buyer personas. Talk about that. You, are, are, you are absolutely right, Todd. There's no question about that. You've identified what I believe to be the biggest reason why organizations fail with their online marketing initiatives and why companies that jump into social media you know, after six months or a year or 18 months say, well, it's not working, so uh, this stuff is stupid. And that is that they spend the time creating content and talking about themselves or just making stuff up in their comfortable offices and throwing it out there uh, rather than truly understanding what their buyer personas need. Now, the term buyer personas is one I use to talk about a, re a representative target market. And a buyer persona, basically I recommend people create a profile of a buyer persona and it helps you to get out of the idea of just marketing products and services. I'll give you an example. In the hotel industry, there might be five buyer personas in a given hotel. There's the independent business traveler makes a decision based on what they want to, where they want to stay. Then there's a corporate travel manager who's making a decision for people uh, who are going to various hotels. There's event planners, completely different buyer persona when you're 
booking an event in a hotel in a big in a big ballroom versus somebody who's just going there to stay for the night or how about someone planning a vacation or how about a couple planning on getting married who need to have a place to hold their wedding receptions all completely different buyer personas and the successful hotel are the ones to, hotels are the ones that understand that those are very different buyer personas and you need different content to appeal to them you know and i see every single day organizations that screw that up this morning as as we're recording this this morning i did a um uh, a blog post about JetBlue they totally missed the mark on this new thing they launched today called JetBlue badges and it's basically a four square like way that you can earn earn badges and recognition and then share that with your with your friends on Facebook and Twitter and other places and they screwed it up because it's very 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 JetBlue centric you can earn ba- you earn badges when you get a JetBlue credit card, you earn badges when you stay at Hilton Hotels if you book it through JetBlue. I mean, this is nonsense. I had thought when I first signed up that I was going to get a badge every time I traveled on JetBlue to a new city, which is kind of cool. As a frequent traveler, to me, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So they they missed the mark here. There's probably some ad agency they worked with that just said, okay, well, we want to promote our credit card, so let's do something to do that. And I, I predicted on my blog that this thing's going to completely fail. Is that still the biggest? My question that I originally sketched out was, what are the mistakes that organizations are still making in this space? Yeah, and they're still making it. <laughs> is, is, it is, that, is, is the issue that they're still thinking of this as a one-way media distribution channel as opposed to uh, the ability to connect with a human being? I think that's part of it. But I think even more fundamentally is they truly are just – making stuff up in their comfortable conference rooms, sitting on their air on chairs with their agency <laughs> partners that they spend a lot of money with rather than than truly understanding their buyer personas and 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 what is going to be interesting to them and and that's where the fundamental disconnect happens is is people who just don't really know the needs of the marketplace are just creating something to see if it'll stick i mean sometimes it might work you know this jet blue badges thing could have been pretty good, but I think it's going to fail because the execution was terrible. And and you know contrast that with some, with an organization that you know that uh, that that maybe reaches out to a hundred frequent travelers like me, not by sending them a stupid ass survey, but rather actually getting on the phone and saying to me, "Hey David, tell me about you know your travel. Tell me about what you do." And I would tell them, "Hey, I'm a collector." I've been to all 50 states and I marked them down uh, as I was making that collection. I've been to 88 countries. Next week, I'll, I'm going to go to Ecuador. I'm going to reach my 89th country. Uh, I've been to six continents. In December, I'm going to Antarctica for my seventh continent. I'm a collector of travel experiences. This JetBlue badges idea sounds really great, I would tell them. But the last thing you want to do is set it up as a way to market your stupid credit cards and as a way f- to coerce people into sharing content on Twitter and Facebook, you've got to make it something they want to play, and people like me will be happy to play it. But they don't typically reach out to buyer personas. They don't typically reach out, and this is all organizations, to those people who they're trying to reach to understand, truly understand 
what they're looking for. Instead, they just make shit up in their offices. Why is this still happening, David? I mean, there's four editions now of your book where you've advocated and pushed that message, and there's plenty of other amazing people talking about this idea. Why? why? Because it's really, really easy to yeah. just hire an agency, and then when that doesn't work, you fire them. You know, if you're a big organization like JetBlue, it's just really, really easy to, you know, to just sort of make something up. And by the time it fails, you know, you're on to something else. And you can blame somebody else for the failure. And I think it's difficult. It's not easy to actually go out and interview people yourself. I'm not, I'm, and you can't delegate this stuff. You have to do it yourself. The, the CMO of a company should be out doing it themselves. That's pretty rare. And if you run a, if you're in a really in a much smaller organization, first of all, you don't have any budget. So in in a, in a sense, it makes it a little bit easier for a smaller organization because they're less tempted to do it wrong. But still, they do it wrong. They still make stuff up. They still, you know, use gobbledygook language on their on their marketing materials, their website, and whatnot, and you know, use stock photos rather than real images of people, and all these sort of things that are indicative of. You know, the, the old way of marketing, of, of just creating stuff about your products and services that you think is important, but the market doesn't care about. Never gets old hearing you get frustrated at the, <laughs> at the things like using stock photos. You know, it, photos. Does, it does freaking burn me up, I tell you. I mean, it, and it just never ends. <laughs> I mean, at first I thought, you know what? It's 2007 and this stuff is going on. And, I, you know, I bet in a couple of years people will all realize. But you know what? We In a way, we have... We haven't changed, and in another way, it, it's almost gotten worse. I mean, I see, I see examples of failure practically every day. It's just, you know, it's it's remarkable how how quickly, on one hand, all these tools are developing, but it's also remarkable, on the other hand, how slowly people are learning how to take advantage of these tools. All right, so some guy's got the third edition on his bookshelf. Uh, why does yeah. he need the upgrade to the to the fourth? What's new in it? Um, so there's a few things that are new. I've got a new, two new chapters. One new chapter on newsjacking, which is this amazingly cool technique of creating real-time content with the purpose of drafting off of a breaking news story. Uh, I've got a new chapter on how to market with images. So that's things like infographics and, and tools like Instagram and Pinterest. Uh, I've got about 20 new examples of success that, um, that I've highlighted in the books. Uh, like one of my favorite examples that's new is uh, Ocean Frontiers. They're a scuba diving resort in the Grand Cayman Islands. And they use Foursquare to gamify the, the places that they s- take people for the dive. They have diving. They have 55 dive sites on the eastern end of Grand Cayman Island. And if you dive all 55 dive sites, they throw a, a virtual and physical party for you. They open a bottle of champagne. You get... Um, some apparel to wear, you get a medal, you get a a bronze plaque that they embed in the dock leading to the boats, and then they take your images, your photos, and they put those up onto Facebook, and people love this, and they share it like crazy, and they build a rabid fan base as a result of this, and um, just this last year by Scuba Diving Magazine, they were named as a top resort in, in in the Caribbean, so there's examples like that that um, uh, of organizational success that I love that I like to highlight. So if someone's sitting there with an older edition, a um, couple of new chapters, a lot of new examples of success. But like, I, like we said earlier, the strategies are the same. If you're looking for strategy, any of the editions, um, read the strategy sections and you'll figure it out. I've heard you talk about that scuba story before. And I wonder, now that you've been out 
pushing that story a bit. Uh, is 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 the market that you're telling that to? Do they understand that all that's really happening there is that that company is enabling the market to tell their own cool stories and thus sharing their own their own brand? I mean, do people understand that, that that's such a simple idea? No. <laughs> they don't understand it because because five minutes ago we talked about JetBlue and they could have done exactly that. They could have done exactly that. If they had created this badge program that every city you visit with JetBlue you get a badge, people would love to share that stuff on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, I just want to show off. They want to They want to show off. Hey, I've been to 15 cities with JetBlue. You know, I just went to my third country with JetBlue. You know, particularly if you're a travel collector geek like I am, you know, you you want to share that stuff, but they 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 did not execute properly. So, I think I think people, a lot of marketers and public relations people still believe that you have to coerce people to do stuff. I think a lot of people still don't really understand that if you create something interesting, people will love to share it. They'll be eager to share it um, with their friends and, and and followers. You know, the last time you were on the show, David, was to push the the newsjacking book that you put out, and you just referenced that there's a new yeah. chapter devoted to that. Uh, when when we talked on that last, uh, it was a new idea. Well, I guess it's not a new idea. People have probably been doing it for a while, but but the idea of that. It was somewhat controversial. Has the market shifted since we talked last on that? I mean, is it, is the strategy and the tactic uh, is it more adopted and more utilized now? Well, what's interesting is that the idea of of basing content on news it goes back decades, but what has changed hugely since uh, and and it was the reason I wrote my book called Newsjacking is that approximately three years ago Google started indexing in real time. That was huge because that meant that my blog post that I wrote this morning about Google badge, uh, sorry, about JetBlue badges, which was announced today, meant that I had a blog post indexed by Google on the very first day that that program was announced. So now any journalist, uh, and, and Google indexed that, um, today, this morning, as soon as I wrote it. Um, so now any journalist that goes and does a Google search for Google ba- for um, JetBlue badges because they want to write a story about it, or anybody who's curious about it uh, who enters that phrase into Google, my blog post, at least, at least when I checked a few hours ago, pops up as in the number three position on the very first page of Google. That's the idea of newsjacking in that people can find your content instantly because of the way Google currently works. Um, as well, of course, if you put it on Twitter and, and Facebook and Google Plus and other places like that, they can find it. So that's what's really different about um, newsjacking. And because I ch- chose the, f- the, the word newsjacking, it appears a little bit controversial because, you know, carjacking, hijacking are negative things. Newsjacking is a positive thing, but I, I made it a little bit of a, 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 fr- a word that's got a little bit of oomph to it. I think that the reason that there's people who still believe that there's a negative connotation is because some organizations insist on newsjacking negative stories, which are really difficult to newsjack, particularly if there's death or destruction involved. For example, when Hurricane Sandy went through the U.S. East Coast in November of last year, 
there's organizations that newsjacked that um, that had no tie to that story at all, and they got slammed in social media as a result of it. And then it's easy for people to say, well, all newsjacking is bad. Yet Duracell, the battery company, provided free recharging stations to people in areas affected by Hurricane Sandy. And in a sense, they newsjacked the story in a really positive way because what they were doing, helping people to charge their iPhones and and giving away free batteries and other things to generate power, uh, all, all totally free with no, nothing in return, branded their organization as one that's helpful and it's right within their their category, which is you know power. And um, even though it was a negative story, they came out smelt being very very positive about it. David, we're about out of time, but I have to ask you this question: uh, When you and I reconvene on this show in two years' time and we're talking about the fifth edition, <laughs> what are some of the things you think we'll be talking about? What, what, what's coming? Wow, that's interesting. The third edition, I talked about mobile marketing for the first time in a big way. There was a brand new chapter about mobile marketing, the third edition. This current fourth edition, I expanded that chapter on mobile marketing. I, I think mobile is is really becoming much bigger because the percentage of people who are using mobile and now now there's a lot of people who are using mobile devices exclusively people who have iPads but no longer have notebook computers or or desktop computers um, and there's ramifications to everybody when 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 things are being used on smaller screens and need to be faster loading and so on so I, I think that's one aspect um, but you know as we talked about throughout the, the the 20 minutes or so we've been chatting here there's still a lot of people who don't understand the fundamentals, so we're going to revisit those fundamentals again, I think, two years from now. Well, gosh, uh, I'm still dumbfounded by the amount of organizations that are paying zero attention to mobile and all its implications. It'll be fascinating to see how that, how that unfolds. David, I uh, uh, appreciate the time, and as always, it's good to catch up with you, and, and uh, I promised that I wasn't to myself I was not going to bring up Apollo program but uh, I couldn't help myself before I let you go how can people get in touch with you learn about your work and get their hands on the fourth edition of new rules of marketing and PR so a great way to find me is to google new the word newsjacking or if you want to google my name you can find me as well david com. new rules of marketing and pr fourth edition is out um, everywhere in the u.s now all the online sites and physical bookstores and is winging its way into other english-speaking markets as we speak david meerman scott best-selling author speaker and business strategist my friend it was good to have you back thanks for joining us Todd, I appreciate all of your continued support, and uh, good luck to you as well. I appreciate it. All right, well, that wraps this show. On behalf of our guest, David Meerman Scott, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio.